You know, when you need CBD, vape juice, or new mod, go to Vape Scorpion. 10859 Boston Avenue, Philadelphia, PA 19116. They are formerly known as East Coast Vapor. They have all your needs, all the equipment, all the juice. And hey, while you're there, sit down, enjoy a beer, bring your own, and just hang out with a bunch of cool people. So guys, if you really need your next vape machine, or maybe you just want to try a locally made uh, juice, Make sure you hit up Vape Scorpion. That's 1085 Boston Avenue, Philadelphia, PA 19116. Or give a call to 215-464-8273. Oh yeah, and make sure you let them know that Realm of the Mist Entertainment sent you. Hi, this is Eddie Beeson. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hello everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode. Joining me today is a man of experience. Lots and lots of experience. His name is Stanley Livingston. How are you doing today, Stan? Great, Ray. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you for coming. So the first thing that I'd like to kind of cover here is um, what would you say you're most known for? Uh, my three sons. I mean, undoubtedly, uh, well, my tombstone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're probably going to have Blade Chip on my three sons. That's what he's known for. Yeah, I saw the way that impacted Fred McMurray's career, which was a much bigger career than mine. He'd done about 100 movies by the time. My Three Sons came along and continued to do big feature films while he was doing My Three Sons. But uh, when that day for him finally arrived in 19, I guess it was 93 when he passed away. You know, when I look at the uh, the obit column or the headline, uh, you know, in a lot of magazines and newspapers that day, it said Fred McMurray, quintessential dad, starred in the long-running TV series My Three Sons. Didn't mention a thing about double indemnity, the egg and I, Kane Mutiny, the apartment, uh, absent-minded professor, <laughs> son of plumber, uh, the shaggy dog. Those yeah. were all omitted. You know, my three sons basically eclipsed everything that he had done. So I'm assuming I'm going to have the same fate, which, uh, yeah, nice to be remembered for something. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's well... pretty cool. Hopefully through doing these shows, the podcasts and, um, you know, cause you and I talked a little bit before we started recording. So I would hope to get that information out there to people too. So maybe you'll be remembered for something else besides just that. Um, there's always hope. There's always hope. Actually. Yeah. I've got a few other things that I've remembered for. Um, actually there was a, a big 
Western movie that I was into about, uh, I think we did it in 63, 64, uh, called How the West Was Won, mm-hmm. uh, which went on to be uh, an enduring Western. It's about three hours long and starred just about everybody that was in Hollywood at the time. You know, Jimmy Stewart, Henry Fonda, uh, Richard Widmark, uh, John Wayne, I mean, Gregory Peck. Just about anybody who was anybody was in that film. And, you know, I when you're a kid, you kind of don't realize that well, I was a teenager. But, yeah, that movie's really in, endured. And actually about once a year, uh, it, it was also the last Cinerama film made in the Cinerama process, which is an ultra-widescreen uh, process. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year at the Arc Lake Cinerama Dome, uh, it's one of the two remaining Cinerama theaters left in the United States. They usually show the movie once a year. In fact, I was just up there uh, about two weeks, and I'm practically the only one left from the film. Uh, so I usually introduce the film to the audience every year. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's it's really nice. cool. That's a good way yeah, to kind really... of remember everything and pay homage to everybody that you worked with. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, for me, a great, great experience. I mean, to be honest, that was the real reason I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. I, you know, saw those cowboys and their six shooters and (laughs) horses. That's for me. Well, when I was a kid, I I just seemed to not be the type they wanted in in Westerns. I really never got cast on one of the closest. I came to it uh, was right out of the gate. The first thing I think I ever did was a Roy Rogers Toy Lariat commercial with Roy Rogers. So that was like, for oh, me, wow. I thought I thought my career was going to go right into a Western. And then <laughs> it basically, I guess that was probably about 1955, 56. And uh, yeah, until 1963, I didn't do another Western. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, all all but, my you friends know... did Westerns. Johnny Crawford, he got the Rifleman. And a couple of other kids I knew were like Fury and... You know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least you endured. Up on these. I did, you know. Well, my route was through wholesome family shows, uh, starting off with like Ozzy and Harriet. And, uh, you know, I did a couple of uh, uh, Dennis the Menace and, you know, other shows that were on in that era. I can't even remember them all anymore. But, <laughs> right. Which uh, all led to me doing a TV pilot for Jackie Cooper uh, called Skippy, which was a movie he was starred in when he was a kid. And, got nominated for an Oscar. He was actually the youngest person ever nominated for an Oscar told the movie Kramer versus Kramer came along and the kid in that, his name was Justin Henry, if I remember right, uh, got nominated for an Academy Award and, and Skippy, I believe won the Academy Award that year's best picture. So, um, yeah, he was by then a director and, uh, still a TV and movie star and, I was working next door and Ozzy and Harry and somehow wandered onto his set. And I remember he came up to talk to me, probably to find out where my mother was. <laughs> Why I was unattended and wanted to meet my mom. And I remember saying to him, hey, am I in trouble? And he was like, no, 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 you're not in trouble. And met my mom. And then about three months later, I was uh, filming this TV pilot for him called Skippy, which ended up not selling or not going anywhere because he ended up getting another series and i think he put it on the back burner but that freed me up to uh go do my three sons and uh, because of the film that we had on me from carrying that tv series uh was enough to convince the producers that i was the kid they were looking for for the part of chip so that's that's how that's the long story about how i got there 
That's amazing. There ain't nothing wrong with a long story on this show. <laughs> the more more detail, the better. <laughs> great, great. All that's, right. That's fantastic, though. I mean, the, to get into it as a kid and you've gone this whole time doing all this, <laughs> you know, that's a really a testament to your staying power, as it were. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, had no idea. I don't think anybody did in those days when you did TV series work, uh, it was always a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, you could do a pilot like Skippy that never saw the light of day again, uh, or you can end up in a TV series that went on and became the second longest running uh, sitcom ever on TV. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my two sons are in for, in its original uh, prime time run, uh, 12 years and 380 episodes. So, Oh. Second only to Ozzy and Harriet that went, I think it was 14 years and about I think it was 435 segments or something, episodes. Goodness. So, yeah. 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 You never know what's in store for you or how long your job is going to last. Like I said, and even when we were doing My Three Sons, it wasn't a, a given at any time or any year that we were coming back. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, I guess we're coming back again. I just got a telegram. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back from William Paley. <laughs> was that something that happened a lot to you? You were all geared up to do something, and then it just kind of blew away into uh, the wind? I think that happens, yeah, to every actor at every stage. You know, I mean, even well-known actors that, you know, you never hear those stories, but behind the scenes, you know, they're vying for a part or want to work for a director, and uh, it sounds like they're in the running, and... Then all of a sudden, you find out uh, you're not in the running. <laughs> no. <laughs> or that the part part went to uh, the guy who was like your, I guess you'd call him your competitor. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, wow. And I'm sure, yeah, even even at the movie star level, that goes on. There's people who want to work with certain directors, but then somebody, you know, more popular than you at the moment. You know, you might have been popular the year before, but now there's a new kid in town, and Everybody wants to work with him. Right. So, yep. I can, fortunately, I can we're, we're all. That. <laughs> yeah. Well, even I, you know, when I was before my two sons and at the time of my two sons, there was a few kids in Hollywood that, you know, I competed with uh, for parts. And, you know, that was a good part. Uh, his, you know, if you didn't get one part, you would probably get another one. And, mm-hmm. or they would be working and couldn't even go out on the interview. So you would get the, uh, the part just through default, basically. Yeah. <laughs> You looked like him, and they wanted him, but he was unavailable. Yep, that works. Yeah, and then there, there's other times you you want a part, um, and they may have wanted you, but you're you know tied into something contractually, and uh, you know you just uh, precluded from doing it. Kind of probably one of the most famous stories of that was Tom Selleck. Uh, you know, he was a Magnum PI, and mm-hmm. uh, Indiana Jones was written for him. Oh. they wanted couldn't get out of the contract to go do it so wow they got stuck with harrison ford <laughs> <laughs> oh darn <laughs> yeah which cemented harrison ford but i'll just tell you he wasn't the first choice you know even though he had done what three star wars movies and a bunch of films in between those star movies uh you know george lucas was still looking elsewhere <laughs> right wow yeah, so, well, that that's uh, even with American Graffiti and, and Star Wars, that's how that was. 
Yeah. You know, he wasn't supposed to be in Star Wars either. He was actually George Lucas's carpenter at his house. And uh, <laughs> but he asked him, can you do me a favor? Because he knew he was, you know, picking up roles as an actor. He said, can you I, I got to have somebody to read with these actors? You know, I've got a bunch of actors coming. You think you could read with them? And he agreed to do that. And, you know, he, if you ever listen to the auditions, you can hear his voice. He's the guy doing doing lines with them off, stay, off screen or off camera. Right. And, uh, you know, they were having trouble casting the hand solo part. <laughs> it wasn't even George Lucas. It was somebody who was there, one of the casting people. Go, Why not that guy, man? He's <laughs> like, really good. He's been here every day. And, <laughs> he can know, read. He the kind of sarcastic, yeah, you know. Uh, personality you were looking for and, yeah uh, yeah it was right before his eyes but that, that's always the way it works it's right before your eyes and you don't see it if only we could all be so lucky <laughs> yeah you know well that's what they say half half the battle's just getting in the door right you know right. Or, or and then sometimes finding out about the interview so you can try and get in that door that's very difficult and probably even more so these days and you know the number well, of people in the industry is grown exponentially in terms of productions and also in terms of actors but you know there's right. never enough work well that was gonna be the next thing that i kind of um led into is with your breadth of experience obviously when you got into it you were fairly young but you've been doing this for quite a while now is there any kind of uh tip or trick that you have for people that are trying to get into this business um yeah well i mean the biggest tip of all it's i mean you have to go learn the acting part of it that that's a given i mean if you don't have a real deep-seated desire or drive to be an actor i'd say don't even do it because it's so hard and you know, so confusing and uh, sometimes can take so long to get there. You know, there's a few people that break in immediately, but, you know, they are got just the, the smallest percentage of people. I can't even call a percentage, probably a one-tenth of one millionth of a percent. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you need to be armed with that, but the thing that seems to escape, uh, you know, all actors, at least at the beginning of their career, how important understanding the business side of the business is. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, how do you understand it when you don't know what to do or where to go? In other words, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Unlike other businesses where if you're going to fly an airplane, you know, yeah, you don't know anything about airplanes, but you can go, you know, learn how to fly one and get some lessons. That still doesn't mean you understand airplanes. Uh, doesn't mean you understand how to fly an airplane into an airport without killing yourself because, uh, there's rules, regulations, things you need to know. Yeah. And unless you have that course, too, uh, you know, learning how to fly is worthless. It's, right. You're right. going to get yourself. Yeah, well, like, that's the way it is with acting. I and mean, people go off to acting school for two years, four years. They spend anywhere from ten grand. Well, as we were discussing before, the show up to could be $100,000. They went to Yale or Harvard or, you know, big name uh, college, UCLA, USC. And come out knowing everything about acting when you're on stage or when you're in front of a camera and nothing about the business side. Uh, you know, I mean, they know the obvious, which is I need a headshot. I need to have a, a reel. And how do you get a reel if you haven't worked? You know, there's all these dichotomies there. Mm -hmm. uh, the Screen Actors Guild, I need to join the Screen Actors Guild. But then again, do you really at the beginning of your career? <laughs> Some people make the mistake of joining after their first job because they're eligible. 
and then only come to find out you can't do any non-union work, which is probably more than half the work available to a new actor's non-union, but you're precluded from that. And if oh, the union wow. finds out, you're thrown out of the union. So you oh, just geez. boxed yourself into a, a situation that you thought was good. That's what I said. And there's so many mistakes you can make. And they're, you know, because you're new, you know, how many people know somebody that could really teach them what it is? You know, if you've known an actor who's been doing this for 30 years successfully, you know, that person might be able to relate all these little bugaboos to you. But, you know, for the average show, they they just have this dream and a desire, want to do it. But because there's nobody there to answer the questions or to tell them this is how you go about doing it. No, be careful. Don't do this. Whatever you do, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it feels logical that you would want to do that, but it, it can be a thing that, that doesn't work for you. you know, maybe even getting a manager. You know, yeah. of course, you need an agent if you can get one and you can get one to believe in you. But why would you at the beginning of your career need to manage? There's nothing to manage. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And if you do get a manager, here's another thing you might want to, you know, there's different kinds of managers. You right. Know, the, we, there's managers that have been there and doing it forever, and they're probably not interested in you if you're starting out. And then there's managers that are just starting out. And, you know, why would you want to be with them? They probably have no contacts. And that's what you want out of a manager. You know, you don't care about the guy. You want to know what contacts do you have that my agent doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be taking more <laughs> money from you than the agent is. So there's a lot of guys collecting checks out there, you know, based on the work of some actor, if they're lucky enough to get work, uh, than the agent takes. So, you know, there's... As I say, there's so many things, uh, especially at the beginning of the career, where you can make mistakes that are literally fatal. That uh, you know, if you do them and you're in the room and you make a big mistake in there, it's it's such a sounds like a big business, but it's small. The casting people all know each other and they talk to each other as do the producers. That you know, if you come in and you're inexperienced or really not ready to go yet, or you don't really know how to read right, you know, the word gets around very quickly and you, you can't get back in that door again. You know, and it may take you a long time, you know, for people to have the confidence in you because the way it works is when an agent or a manager sends you in to meet the casting director on some show that that's the casting liaison for them, uh, working for the producer, looking for actors to fill roles, and mm-hmm. you come in and you don't know what you do. It's a horrible reflection on on your agent or your manager who sent you in because it means they didn't know what they're doing. And that casting director, as soon as you walk out of the room, the director producers are going to turn to them and go, why'd you bring that person in? They didn't know what they're doing. You know, they have no idea what they're doing or what we're looking for, or how to conduct themselves in an interview uh, or an audition. Um, and your job may be on the line then because oh, everybody uh. is vouching for everybody. So right. that's why it behooves you to know all this stuff before you go in and, Unfortunately, the industry is like about 100 years old, and God knows how many people have taken acting classes or great actors or, you know, pretty yeah. good actors or mediocre actors, but have no idea, you know, about, like I said, all these things that are categorized, I call it business. What it really is, the non-performance skills. The performance skills are what you learn in, in college or your acting school. The non-performance skills are the ones of how you meet people, what to say, what not to say, when to join the union, when, when not to join the union. And, you know, like I said, there's a million things, you know, people think it's only get an agent, get a reel, get a headshot, 
try and get an agent, uh, try and get in the union. So there's five or six things. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's only five or six things that comprise the business of acting, why does this particular program have 60? <laughs> so that'll tell you you're oh, missing quite a big picture of the puzzle. But anyway, what, people that are interested in that, uh, we should be up and running again by the beginning of the year. Like I mentioned before, we had a DVD program that was uh, put together and involved over 100 people from the industry, everyone from actors to directors to producers, executive producers, showrunners, uh, agents, managers, casting directors, president of the Screen Actors Guild, president of the DGA, uh, different members who sat on various boards at both of those organizations. Um, and they're the ones teaching this program called The Actor's Journey. So uh, after the beginning of the year, if you go looking for theactorsjourney.com, uh, it'll be up and the material will be there and will now be streaming material uh, instead of DVD based. So uh, we're trying to move ourselves into the future as well. People can watch the whole thing or, you know, uh, it originally came on a DVD. So they were about an hour and a half long each. So you could watch the contents of any one of those as like a, a unit or you can watch any one of the, uh, the individual uh, segments. So, as I mentioned, there's 60 of those, so there's a lot right. to learn. Well, it sounds like there's a lot, way more to learn than even, I mean, I oh. didn't know any of that. So I'm sure there's other people out there that are trying to break into this, and they're just as clueless, and they're listening to you right now saying, oh, I better Google search that. I need that program. Yeah, well, you can <laughs> yeah. go to YouTube right now and kind of get a a taste. Yeah, you know, we put up some material from it uh, like i said there's some clips there and show you you know some of the people that that are involved in it you know uh, a lot of them were friends of mine who'd worked in the industry you know for years uh sherman hemsley michael york uh directors like richard donner did all the lethal weapon movies and wow a ton that's of other films yeah star-studded yeah, crew you got there. Big yeah well that's what i was saying i think out of the 100 people used i think it was about 45 or 50 of them have either been nominated for or won uh, Emmy, Academy, or Golden Globe Award. So they're certainly recognized by the industry. And um, these are people that had mastered the system because they'd been in it for 10 or 20 years. And, you know, even at that point, you're always learning something new. Yeah. Or something changes. You know, it's like your headshot. In the old day, you would go get a photographer. He'd take some pictures of you. You'd select the best ones or the ones you think are appropriate for you or for what kind of work you're trying to do. Because, yeah, you know, one one size uh, headshot <laughs> doesn't fill all needs. You know, uh, oh, there's certain okay. ones when you do commercials. There's other ones when you're doing TV, and still other ones needed when you're doing movie business. So uh, there's that. But you know, what's changed is the internet. You know, it used to be uh, when a casting director wanted to see you, he'd call an agent. And uh, your agent would, you know, basically uh, send a headshot over, usually by courier. <laughs> and then, uh, that stopped, and uh, there were, you know, you could transmit the, the picture finally through the internet. Mm-hmm. So that became it. But you know, now uh, what, what the casting directors who work for companies do is they, you know, will go online and, you know, from an agency they'll receive a, a link to that agency's file. And they'll look through their pictures of the actors that they, you know, think they may want to hire from there. But, you know, your pictures, that's why they call it a thumbnail. <laughs> it's about right. as big as your thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. And in the old days, it's like, what is a good picture? You know, um, you know, even when you held the 8x10 in your hand, you wanted it to reflect 
you know, on you, didn't want it to be out of focus, you know, had to look a, a certain way or should it be in color or should it be in black and white, you know, mm-hmm. there's all these little things. But now they're not even looking at that. You know, you're looking at something about the size of a, a thumbnail and it's on a page maybe with 20 other pictures and it's got a pop more so than it did before. I mean, how do you make like a little thumbnail stand out from the other 19 people on the page? Yeah. So you can see it's critical. And, you know, people go, well, I'll just go to this photographer. Well, that's great. Yeah, it's a guy with a camera. But what, what's, what's his day job? Is he, you know, do this for a living? Or is he, you know, shooting pictures of uh, fruit and vegetables for Kroger's Market? That's, <laughs> right. that's his day job. So <laughs> you don't want to come out looking like a turnip. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. It let huh? me like a turnip. Maybe that'll uh, make so, you stand yeah. out, though. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, especially if they're doing, what was it, uh, the thing. They're looking for a guy to play the carrot at the end yeah. of James Arnest played. <laughs> oh, geez. But, uh, yeah, so there's, you need to, you, you know, as opposed to going in and having the uh, photographer interview you, you need to know how to interview him and look at his portfolio to determine whether he can do justice for you. Because yeah. you're going to probably fork over anywhere, I mean, at minimum $300, and that would be considered expensive inexpensive you know you're usually looking more around five or six and there's people that are really good that are charging pretty close to a thousand dollars for seven shots and maybe a little bit of retouching and all that yeah but you know uh that's the problem when you don't have these skills at the beginning you know you get schnooker a couple times (laughs) and you got you know, and some casting director goes, you don't look like your pictures. You have a goatee, but you don't have a goatee here. And right. oh, yeah, what about the green, green in your hair? You just wasted my time. I can't bring you into the office because you don't look like your picture. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah exactly. There's a reason for that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. These are all the small things that you learn over years or decades of doing this of, what to do, what not to do, where to spend your money, where not to spend it, you know, so you're not wasting it or having to do it two or three times. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, the, the whole thing is just, that's what it's about. That's what, what I call the business side of acting. Gotcha. Or, you know, the, the non-performance skills. It's uh, unfortunately a pretty big thing and really will determine whether you ever get to use those other skills which you spent thirty to $100,000 on. Right. Well, we are drawing up on the end of the show here, surprisingly. Like, that 30 minutes goes pretty quick when you're listening to good stories and learning uh, everything uh, yeah. there is to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, here in this last little bit, um, I was wondering if you might want to go through and let everybody know where they can go to find your DVDs or more information yeah, about they you want to and your find career. out more about me yeah i've been doing this for 65 years in fact the show is on my three sons is actually going to celebrate its 60th year next year we're hoping to do something with the paley center for media they kind of archive all these old shows and stuff like that but yeah who knew it would be 60 years uh they can find out about me by going to stanleylivingston.com there's a lot of material uh, <laughs> yeah. things that i've been in a list of credits uh, you know, things on, um, uh, like I said, How the West is One, which is kind of the other thing that uh, kind of later in life that kind of caught on again. It got remastered back in 2012 and found a whole new audience. So that's going on. Um, if you want to find out what I'm doing production wise, you go to first 
teamproductions.com. And, uh, yeah, that website will show you, you know, some of the stuff I've worked on. It's not everything, but you know, we put up a few things and then stuff that we're working on right now that's in development. And a couple of things that are in development that aren't on there. <laughs> so, and it's got a fairly complete also list of credits for me, which goes on and on and on and on since I've been doing this for so long. And, yeah, primarily been working as a producer director, uh, I guess, since I was about 30 full time. So been doing this a long time and I think it's what allowed me to do that other program the one I was talking about called the actor's journey which if somebody wants to find out about that the website like I said will go back up in January but you can go to YouTube and type in the actor's journey and there's some clips there you can see and they're kind of pulled from some of the material that's in that program and uh, yeah we also did a program too while we did the actor's journey we did a supplemental program called the actor's journey for kids and teens. Oh, and now, yeah. So it's basically for, you know, the age ranges from infant on up to 17 years old. That's the demarcation line. And once you turn 18, uh, you're on your own, you're doing it for yourself. Your parents aren't involved. So that wow. one's just the actor's journey, but yeah, the actor's journey for kids is not really for the kids. The DVDs weren't made for them. I mean, the, the program, uh, the program was actually made for the parents, right, <laughs> the yeah, father yeah. and mother well, of the sense. kids. Since, yeah, <laughs> they're the ones driving them to and fro, and probably more than likely it's their idea that their kid be in show business. So yeah. uh, it's the same thing and probably just as critical to know that material because uh, although horrible things can happen to you on both sides of being 18, the things that happen to kids shouldn't happen to a dog. The dogs have more regulations in the industry, the animals. Oh, and, wow. and what, how kids are handled. So uh, it's really incumbent upon the parent, you know, to really learn this stuff too, so they don't get their kid in trouble, get themselves in trouble. And, you know, yeah. All well, kinds of ways sense. of looking at it. Yeah. Well. And yeah, we'll just hope my three cents keeps going. Maybe another 50 years. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Mr. Livingston, I just want to say before we sign off here, that it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate you coming and bestowing your knowledge upon me and all these fine listeners out there in, in the digital world. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate that. And just trying to do my part, you know, help people out best we can, you know. Yeah, it's well, a, you had said industry, it before. But... Yeah, you had said it before. We're all kind of helping each other out. Yep, that's that's the way it goes. And yeah, you're hoping to catch up with like minded people who don't mind, you know, helping helping you, you know. Exactly. Uh, we all gotta get uh, our but, start somewhere. <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well thanks again and I, I appreciate you having me on and yeah, I look forward if we can do it again sometime. We'll do it. Absolutely, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for stopping in and having a listen. Again, this has been Stanley Livingston. He's a great guy. Make sure to go and check out his site and uh, check out the things on YouTube. And once the DVD site comes back up, I will try to post a link for that as well. Thank you very much, and we'll see you later. That's it for today's show, ladies, gentlemen, and anything around or in between. Another great interview. Remember, I'm Ray, and this has been Breaking the Fourth Wall. Check me out at Chronicles of the Lost Realm on YouTube, Anchor, and Instagram. I can also be found on War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Become a patron to help us provide even more content and quality entertainment for you. 
All of our shows can be found on Anchor.fm or wherever podcasts can be heard. Breaking the Fourth Wall is a Realm of the Mist affiliate.